Hey, this is Drew Blackston, founder of Anchor Movement. Together with my wife, Valerie, we want to invite you to join us on our podcast as we discover more of God together. We founded Anchor Movement on Hebrews 619, which says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We hope this message drops an anchor into your soul and propels you towards the destiny that God has for you. If our message inspires you, we encourage you to rate and share with your friends and family. Thank you for tuning in to today's Anchor Movement Podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the Anchor Movement Podcast. My name is Drew Blackston, and after a little bit of a hiatus, the Anchor Movement Podcast is back. Valerie, myself, and the family, we've been moving and been in transition with jobs and homes, and so the podcast has taken a little bit of a backseat to all that. Been able to keep up with the blog, obviously the ministry and the website, but Getting recording studios and all that up and running has been a little bit of a a delay, to say the least. And speaking of delay, we want to continue with our last Embrace the Delay podcast series. And today we're talking about the greatest delay. And and what what I'm always fascinated about when people talk about the greatest, and I'm a sports guy, so you know, for me it's who is the, what they call the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And if you look around sports today, obviously it's the NFL season right now, and most people talk about Tom Brady. You know, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. How many Super Bowls they've been in, how many Super Bowls have they won? Growing up, if you talked about basketball, you, you mentioned Michael Jordan. Obviously, he was the greatest of all time at this point. And then currently playing, you think about it, you've got LeBron, Anthony Davis. So you've got some players out there that are being considered some of the goats of all time or the greatest of all time. But what I want to talk about today is what is the greatest delay of all time? You know, we've been talking about embrace the delay, embrace those transitional moments in your life, embrace those moments in your life where you're stuck, you're stuck in a place and and you're waiting on God or you're waiting to move or, or just like us, recently we've been in transition. So there was some delay from our our old house and our new house. There's been delays in getting furniture set and pictures hung and things like that, especially when you have two little kids and two dogs running around. And so today, what is the greatest delay? And I believe that greatest delay was Jesus. Obviously, from Adam and Eve in the garden to Jesus, there was a bit of a delay waiting on a Savior, someone who would come and fix what Adam and Eve messed up. And then even when Jesus was here, he experienced a delay. You know, Jesus was sent to earth by God to be our ultimate example in how to live, how to walk, how to talk. And we've looked at countless examples in the Embrace the Delay series where where even Jesus himself delayed. And Jesus knew that his time of delay was coming. You know, in the span of three years, Jesus packed his entire ministry, all his miracles, everything he wanted to say into those 36 months. And the end would be his climax. It would be considered the greatest delay. You know, let's start in John 19, verses 28 through 30. And this is when Jesus is actually, he's on the cross, he's been... He's been beaten, he's been whipped, he's been accused wrongly before the Roman authorities, before the Jewish authorities. And so now he's on the cross, and in, in 
John 19, verses 28 through 30, he says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head, and he released his spirit. What's so cool about that phrase right there, that it is finished. If you read it in the Greek, it says paid in full, to bring to a close, to accomplish that which it was set forth to do. And Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. He said, I came here, I lived 33 years, and in three years, it is finished. He has paid in full the sacrifice that needed to be paid. Now jump down to verses 38 through 42 in John 19. It says, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders. Now stop right there. Side note on this. Who in your life are you afraid to let them know that you're a Jesus follower? Who in your life are you afraid to be an example? Why was Joseph of Arimathea afraid? He was afraid because what people would think. Who are you afraid of? And that's not, the, that's not the podcast for today, but let's keep going. Afterward, Joseph Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, another guy who had come at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed, uh, perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices and a long sheet of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So Jesus had died on a cross, on a Roman cross, and he had said, It is finished. I am done. I have completed my task. I have done what my Father God put me on this earth to do, and now Jesus was put into a tomb. Now, Jesus had told his disciples this was coming. Many of his disciples, all of his disciples actually, had deserted him when the Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities had accused him and and arrested him. But there was no doubt in the mind of Jesus that he was going to have to go to the cross. And he had warned his disciples on many occasions that this was going to happen. If you look at the scriptures, all four gospels record Jesus telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to go to the cross. They're going to put me in the ground. And in three days, I'll be back. Matthew 12, 40 says this, For as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. There's a delay. Three days, three nights. John 2, 19, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. There's that delay, three days. Mark 8, 31, then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but in three days, he would rise from the dead. Finally, Luke 8, 18, 33, they will flog him with a whip and kill him, but on the third day he will rise again all four gospels 
record the delay of Jesus. They record Jesus saying, hey, I'm going into the ground. I'm going into the grave for three days, but I'll be back. And woe did he come back. Three days later, Jesus came out of that tomb, defeated death, defeated hell, defeated the grave, had the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hands, and beat up the ultimate enemy in Satan. So what was accomplished in the delay of Jesus? Three things I want to talk about today that were accomplished in the greatest delay, which was the delay of Jesus in the tomb. Number one, he became the sacrificial lamb. He took our sins, all of our sins, for all time, past, present, future. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus, he became the ultimate sacrifice for us. So no matter what you do now, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you do in the future, Jesus took those sins and he was the Passover, the sacrificial lamb. He atoned for the sins of all mankind. And he fulfilled the covenant of the law, which was the Old Testament, said that you have to have a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. He, he fulfilled that, and he made a, a bridge for all believers to come and know Jesus and know God as their personal Lord and Savior. Matthew's, Matthew 28, 19 says this, Therefore, this is what Jesus is speaking, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you look at that word nations right there, nations doesn't mean like America, Russia, Australia, but what nations means is a non-Jewish race. So any race, any Gentile race, anybody that's not Jewish. So Jesus came so that everyone, not just the Jewish people, but everyone could have a relationship with God Almighty. And not just a relationship, but a personal relationship with the God who created the universe. So what was accomplished in Jesus' delay? Number one, he became our sacrificial lamb. Number two, Jesus defeated death. Right? Anyone who defeats something means that they have overcome it, that they've beat it. Again, if we go back to sports, if you have defeated somebody, you have scored more points than them, more goals, more touchdowns, more runs, whatever it might be, you have beat them. And in this case, Jesus scored more goals, scored more runs, had more touchdowns, and could not be held down by death. John eleven twenty five through 26 says this, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus made a way for us all to have eternal life through him so that we don't have to physically, I'm sorry, we don't have to spiritually die. Physically, we are going to all die, but we don't have to spiritually die. John 11, 20, John 11 verse 26 says this, Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. We will never, ever die. See, we're living this life right now. Obviously, there is an end point to our lives. Everyone on this planet will die. If you, have, if you don't know that by probably the age five, then, you know, there's something going on. But everybody will die. 
but there's this eternity that we're all going to live in, and we have a choice. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I love, there's a pastor that says that when he gives a salvation message, and I think that means, that paints the best picture. There is a heaven to gain. The delay of Jesus was so that we could go to heaven, and there's a hell to shun. There's a hell that was created for devil, the devil and his angels, not for humans. And the problem is, too many people believe that it doesn't exist. But Jesus, when he died, the Bible says he descended into Hades and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So not only in his delay did he become the sacrificial lamb, but he defeated death so that you and me would never have to actually taste what death is. Hebrews 2.9 says this, What do we see? What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, check that out, he suffered death for us. He is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. And, And if you look at the original language right there, tasted death means to experience or to partake of, to feel, experience. Yes, we're all going to die, but we don't have to taste death. And, 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 and you got to think about this in the spiritual realm, is an actual tasting of death in the spiritual, not your heart stopping and your lungs stop breathing. It's this moving from this physical life into the spiritual, which is actually our real life. See, your body is made up of, you have a body, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, and you have a spirit. And that's your man or woman that's going to live on in eternity. But when you died, or if someone died pre-Jesus, you know, they tasted death. They actually tasted that spiritual death because there was no bridge between man and God. And we're not going to get into all the what happened to them and where they go and all that stuff in this podcast. But here's the thing. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus delayed in the tomb, he tasted death so that when we close our eyes and our heart stops beating, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, absent from the body, you are present with him. So there is no fear either in death. Because now we know that when our heart stops beating and our lungs stop breathing and our eyes close for the final time, when they open, they're going to see streets of gold and gates of pearl, and we're going to stand forever in the glory of God. So three things Jesus accomplished in his delay. Number one, he became the sacrificial lamb. Number two, Jesus defeated death. And number three, we became righteous through Christ Jesus. And what does that mean? Righteous. People always say that you are the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness is simply this. We are innocent. We are free. We are washed clean. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your past mistakes. When he looks at you, he doesn't think about your sins. He doesn't even look at you and say, you're going to sin, because we all know we will. Jesus died for our past, present, and future sins. So whether you're living in sin now, whether you've sinned in the past, or whether you're going to sin in the future, 
For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are the righteousness of God in him. In the King James Version, I I like that part of the scripture because it says in him. In, in the Greek, is a fixed state. I mean, you can't move out of that state. Meaning, you are in that position. There's, no, there's nobody that can move you out of being the righteousness of God. If you know Jesus, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, then you are fixed in Him as the righteousness of God. You are innocent of all your sins. You are free from all your sins. You are washed clean from all your sins. There's nobody, no devil, no situation, no certain, nothing can take you out of being the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You were the righteousness of God yesterday. You're the righteousness of God today. And you're the righteousness of God forever. You are innocent. You are holy. You, you are washed clean. We are innocent before God because of Jesus. John 14, 6 through 11 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So through Jesus, we come to the Father, and we are innocent, we are free, we are washed clean. So three things were accomplished in the delay of Jesus. One, we became the sac- or He became the sacrificial lamb. He took on all of our sins. Number two, Jesus defeated death. So there's no fear in death. He tasted death for everyone. He suffered that for all of us. And number three, we became the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Not through anyone else. Not through our own works. Not through anything that we can say or do. But through Jesus alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you keep reading on, There in John 6, verses 8 through 11, it says, If you had known known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who says he has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Go back to verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And here is what blew my mind. I was reading those scriptures preparing for this podcast, and here's what blew my mind. God, our Creator, the God who made the heavens and the earth, who spoke the world into existence, who said light be and light was, who created all the animals, 
who create all the stars, the atoms, the microorganisms, who keeps the world turning on its axis. The God, our creator, became our sacrifice and took our punishment in the form of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And if that's you today, I want to invite anyone listening to this, and we've had people listening from all over the world. And most recently, we had listeners from Turkey. And Turkey is a predominantly Islamic nation. And I want to invite anyone listening to this podcast, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. Because think about this, through Jesus, you are innocent, you are washed, you are clean. There's no need for you to do any works to get clean. You don't need to go take any kind of ceremonial baths. Jesus has made you clean. He's made you righteous. But you have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You have to invite him to come into your life. In order to do that, you just say with your mouth. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, you just speak with your mouth that you believe that Jesus is the Lord of your life and you will be saved. And so I want to invite you to do that right now in prayer. And so just repeat after me, say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Wash me clean of my sins. Holy Spirit, move on the inside of my life. Take my life and do something with it. Thank you for making me your child. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right there, today, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. The Bible says that the angels rejoice over one sinner who comes to know Jesus. And today, they are rejoicing over you, becoming a child of God, becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, go to our website, angermovement.com. Go to our contact page. We would love to hear from you. We would love to, to pray with you, to celebrate with you. And, and if anybody, anybody listening right now, if you need prayer, if you want us to pray for you, go to our website, go to our contact page, enter your information there. We would love to pray. We're not going to put you on any kind of mailing list or send you anything. We just want to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening today to the Anchor Movement Podcast. Uh, keep up with us. Go to our website, anchormovement.com. We're always posting blogs. Um, if you need prayer, like we said before, go to our contact page. If you'd just like to keep up with us, go to our contact page there. Uh, if you'd like to request us for any kind of ministry or speaking at your organization, there's a place to do that on our website as well. You can go to our Instagram, which is anchor.movement. Keep up with us uh, in our life and what we're doing. But thank you again so much for listening today. And uh, check back to iTunes soon to see updated podcasts.